and the inspiration for the sermon today. I told Ryan on the way in, I said, Ryan, I want you to know, you have been one of the, the inspirations for the sermon today. And so he's, uh, he's understandably a little uh, more tuned in than normal. Uh, <laughs> very, very interested in what sermon's on. Uh, but I include myself in that uh, inspiration uh, for the sermon today. We're going to be looking at Romans, uh, a passage of Romans 5 uh, and Romans 6 and then in Romans 8. And they're all going to be along this idea in life that we all get into at one time or another. What do you do? How do you sort of settle yourself? How do you get yourself into a good place in life during times of trouble? Or during times of uh, frustration? Or annoyance? Or disappointment? And all of us, can we can have these kind of things... Uh, that happen in our life. All of us have them in our life. It could be related to uh, family things. I wrote down a bunch of stuff here. Uh, yeah, well, I wrote down Dodgers, Trojans, and Bruins. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and so, you know, you can just have times of annoyance and frustration and uh, all that, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I, you know, some things that aren't that big of a deal. Other things that are a big deal. Uh, Chris and I had an appointment this last week. I don't want to give any details because it would give too much information. But it was one of those times where we spent some time with a particular uh, circumstance, and, and, and you get back out in the car to go home, and you, you look at each other and you go, whoa, that was a lot. You ever, you ever had one of those? Yeah. You're like, eh. I don't know if I know how to totally uh, absorb all that, you know, uh, of what I heard or what's going on, you know, and, and that kind of a thing. Uh, I thought of the shooting in Pittsburgh yesterday. Uh, just unbelievably tragic. I mean, apparently uh, at this Jewish temple in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, they were having a, a child, a baby naming ceremony of all things. And this guy comes in and shot up the whole place, and, and 11 people uh, died. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, the political dialogue that goes along with us, uh, all, seemingly all the time I- anymore. Can't get away from it. The election, of course, next week or two weeks or whatever it is uh, coming up here, uh, those kind of things can be problems. Uh, our health, you know, when I heard that about Christine this morning, I thought, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's not what she needs is to break her arm uh, and to have, uh, you know, a surgery to put your arm back together. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be incredibly painful and annoying uh, for her and for the whole family and for everybody. But those, you know, kind of things happen in your life. You have health uh, kind of problems. We've had people here that have had uh, the loss of loved ones. Yet you worry about your kids. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm finding out uh, and uh, that I would have never imagined is that even though my kids don't live at home anymore, uh, they are still my kids. And they seem to occupy as much time uh, in some ways of being uh, worried, concerned uh, now than they did before. Yeah, you would think, well, man, I'm going to raise them until they leave the house, and then they're on their own. Uh, but let me tell you, if you're thinking that, you're in for a real disappointment. Uh, because that's not the way that goes. They're still your kids. 
uh, and you still worry about them and all those kind of things. Uh, and, of course, you know, we worry about uh, many, many other kinds of kind of things in life. Well, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Look back to Matthew chapter 6. This is back when Jesus is sort of laying out his fundamental beliefs and and, uh, understandings of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to follow him. And he ends up in in chapter 6 saying, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Now get this. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, each day has enough trouble of its own. He says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. And so, I think sometimes we get this in our mind. Hey, I dedicated my life to Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to live the Christian life. That means that I'm going to be happy. That means that life is going to be easier. That means that life is going to be happier. Yet we, we, we look at our life and we're like, wow, what's wrong? Well, you would have to come to the conclusion that nothing is necessarily wrong. Life is hard. For everybody, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, life is difficult and challenging for everybody in life. Nothing new about that. Look back to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. In verse 14. This is a great little comment. From Solomon, as he's talking about life and trying to figure out life, in uh, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 14, he says, when times are good, huh, that means we can have good times. All you USC fans out there need to remember the national championships not that far back in time. You know, if you're a UCLA fan, you just have to think further back in time. And not nearly as many, if you understand what I'm saying. In football, but not in basketball. You know, maybe that evens things out. But when times are good, all of us have good times in our life. Now what we can sort of fall into is overstating the negative and understating the positive. We can emphasize the negative and minimize the positive instead of what I think is a much better way to live your life is minimize the negative and emphasize the positive. But anyway, he says, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, wow, they're, they're going to happen. But when times are bad, consider God has made uh, the one as well as the other. Right. You know, we have a tendency to think when things go good, thank you, God. When things go bad, God, where are you? And, and, you know, it's, it, it's sort of, it's good when it's good, but, you know, God didn't come through on the other side. So we always, we're going to have these times in our life. Some of you may be here today, right now, and you're in a time where you're unsettled. You're frustrated. You're not entirely happy with where things are at in your life. There may be others of us here today that are like, no, you know, I'm in a pretty good spot right now. I'm pretty happy right now. I feel like things are going in a good place for me in our life. But if you're in that place, realize you're probably going to leave that place and go to the other place somewhere down the road. 
We're all going to have times in our life where we're up, we're going to have times when we're down, right? We're going to have times where things are going our way. We're going to have times when we're going uh, have to fight upstream a little bit and, and, and struggle for times in our life. All those kind of experiences are going to happen for all of us. But the sermon here is looking at things in Romans of what do you do when you're tr- trying to sort of steady yourself, right? What do you do when you're a little shook and you're a little bothered and you're a little, your faith is maybe uh, not where it needs to be and that kind of thing. Hopefully these passages will be helpful for you. Romans chapter 5. Okay, I said we were going to get the Romans and we did, right? Romans chapter 5. Point number 1. This is what's really important. You have to at times in your life... Make a decision of what's really important and what's not as important. Some things are really important. Other things, although they seem to be important, we're very emotional about them, but they really aren't that important. Okay? The Dodgers losing the game. Is, Is your life really Changed with whether a professional baseball team in your city wins or loses? Probably not much. Is your life really changed if your favorite college football team wins on a given Saturday or they lose on a given Saturday? Probably not much. Although they are annoyances. They are frustrations. They are things where we get angry or upset or disappointed about. You have to come back and say, what is really important in life? Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That's a great sentence right there. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Or as the footnote says, let us have peace with God. That's important. To have peace with God. To to have a peaceful relationship with your Creator. It says, through whom we have regained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so... We also rejoice in our sufferings. He says if you get to this place in your life, you can rejoice at the good things and you can also rejoice at the, at the bad things. This place that you can get in allows you to rejoice no matter what seems to be happening in your life. He says because we, about our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. And I love verse 8. If you're an underliner, this is underlinable. This is good stuff. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. If you're keeping track, there's three different descriptive words there He uses about us. Let's go back and look at it. Verse 6, you see at just the right time when we were still 
powerless. Powerless meaning that we couldn't fix our problem. Christ died for the ungodly. Sometimes people have a difficult time with that. They're like, I've been a good person all my life. Well, according to this, before a person gets their life right with God, they're not uh, necessarily a bad or good person, but they're not right with God. It's not that you look at them and say, wow, that's a terrible person. But it is accurate to say that they're not in a relationship with God. They're ungodly. They're not God is on their side. And then he comes down and he says in in verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what's really important. Is it really important? All the things we worry about sometimes. Not much. And all the worry and all the disappointment that we have, all the anger or frustration that we have, doesn't really change anything anyway. What is really important is that God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what's really important in life. And there's times in my life, there's times in your life, where we've got to sort of take a step back and say, what really is important? Is it really important to ruin a day, to ruin a relationship, to strain a relationship? No, it's not. What's really important is to really be seated, really be foundational in your life. And what really means a lot to me is that God sent His Son to die for me. God demonstrated His love. For me in this, that Christ died in my place. That's what's really important. All the other stuff is background noise. You know, sometimes you have to ask yourself in life, why am I so upset? I'm upset because of my daughter. I'm upset because of my job. I'm upset because of my wife. I'm upset because of my house. I'm upset because of my... You know, and and man, we've got it down, don't we? And we are ticked off. And and, and we've got a a lot of momentum going here because we're angry. And we're disappointed and we're frustrated. You've got to come back and say, yeah, what's really important? What's really important? What really makes any difference in you, in your life? It's to say, you know, I'm a child of God. And God demonstrated His love for me in this. When I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You know, it's God 3.16. It's said a different way, isn't it? For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. Insert your name right there. God so loved Marty that he gave his one and only son. You know, I had an interesting discussion with someone the other day about this idea of uh, being a a child of God, being a son of God. And the person I was talking to was trying to express himself on it and says that God loves all of his children equally. And I said... Uh, I'm not sure I, I I agree with that. And the person I was talking to was like, huh? God gave His one 
and only son. I think Jesus is the favored child. I'm glad to be adopted into the family. Amen to that. I am glad to be part of God's family, to be a son of God, to be treasured by God. He gave his one and only son. But I think Jesus is the son that is the son of all sons. You know what I'm saying? And he gave the son of all sons for me. That is what's really important. And I want to throw this in right here. We're not too far away from Thanksgiving. You know what's really important at Thanksgiving? Is to be thankful. And all the other things that go around it, whether the meal is done perfectly or not, all that is a little bit of a, yeah, you know, not that big a deal. But, you know, sometimes in life you have to say, what's really important? Okay, number two, look over to uh, Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6 is a fascinating passage of Scripture, but here's what we're going to get out of it, okay? This is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> you know, when you're frustrated, when, when you're annoyed and, and disappointed in life, sometimes you have to step back and say, okay, what am I trying to do? This is actually what I'm trying to do. If you aim at nothing, what are you going to do? You're going to hit it with amazing accuracy. If you at least in your mind have an idea of what you're trying to do, then your, your likelihood of maybe doing that is at least there, right? But if you're just sort of going through life and you don't have a specific idea, what am I trying to do? And then you're probably going to be a little frustrated in life because you're not really trying to do anything. And, and therefore you're doing not much. Romans 6 gives us, this is what I'm trying to do. Okay, Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. And you say, what a, what a silly thing. I don't know if I understand this. They actually had an idea back then. If you sin a little, then you get a little grace. If you sin a lot, then you get a lot of grace. And after all, isn't it better to get a lot of grace than a little grace? And so that's what he's addressing. He's saying, should we go on sinning so that grace should increase? And what does he say? By no means. In other words, God forbid. What a dumb idea. We died to sin, meaning, died meaning past, right? We died to sin. This happened previously in our life. How can we live it any longer? Don't you know or don't you remember that all those who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We're going to come back to that. Live a new life. Life. He comes on down then in verse 11 and he says this, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desire. Do not offer the parts of your body uh, to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. What are you trying to do in your life? 
There's only a few things in all of our lives that we can actually try to do and be successful. If we try to do too many things, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fail. We're going to be all over the place, and we're never going to really accomplish much. But if we say in in our life, okay, there's a few things in my life that I really am trying to do. And this is one of them. You're trying to put on the new person. You're trying to have the old man or the old person of your life be in the background of your life and the new person of what you're trying to put on. Here's where Christians sometimes mess up. They think that this is what happens at baptism. It's what happens at baptism, but not at baptism only. Yes, when a person's baptized, Romans 6, 3, and 4, the old person goes away, you're buried with Christ in baptism, you're raised with Him to walk in newness of life, but this is something that you don't do in the sense that you did it, it's something you're doing in your life. What are you trying to do with your life? Let me let me get very specific here. I'm trying to not be Marty that was the Marty before he became a Christian. I've been a Christian since 1977. Long time. I still am in the process of not being Marty. I want to be the new Marty. I want to have the new life. You know, Chris told me uh, and Ben told me that I've got to get a new suit for his wedding. A new suit. I said, I've got a suit. Got a black suit. Got a blue suit. Uh, Got a tan suit, gray suit. I've got a suit. I don't need a suit. But it's... But it's it's the old suit. <laughs> you see, I needed to get a new suit, and so I had to go to you know store and get a a, a blue suit. I had a blue one, but it was the wrong color blue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I've got to take off the old suit, and I've got to put on the new suit. In, in in my life, our life is a is a literal time of, of it happens and it happens again and it happens again and it happens again that you've got to put on the new suit because you realize where you're at in your life right now is old suit. You've got to put on the new suit. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've been confronted with you're not being loving enough. That ever happened in your Christian life where you realize, hey, I know in my heart of hearts, or maybe someone's telling you in addition to that, that I need to be more loving. I gotta put off the old suit. You know what the problem is with the old suit? Is it fits. (laughs) It fits! And, And I feel comfortable in the old suit! But someone's telling you, no, 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 that old suit don't work. You, you gotta have a new suit. 
You see, the lovingness of Marty in his old suit is not what life requires. It's not what God wants of me. God doesn't want me to be the old Marty. He wants the old Marty to be what I was, not what I am. And you can apply that to your life. Are you as patient as God wants you to be? <laughs> Some of you not to pay attention because you don't want to pay attention. You need to be more patient. Why? Because the old, you know, because you, you're just not very patient. Old suit, you is on patient, impatient. You're easily annoyed. Are you easily annoyed? You got to have these qualities in your life. You got to put off the old person. And you got to put on the new person. This is not what you did at baptism. It's what it started at baptism, but it continues in your life. Are you with me right here? Look over to 2 Corinthians. This is actually a pretty a constant theme uh, that the Apostle Paul writes about when he writes to the churches. In chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to uh, Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled. Reconciling the world to himself and Christ not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But that process has to continue in your life. For some of you, and I say this respectfully, you got to think a little bit. Are you still changing? Are you still developing? Or have you just pretty much said, well, this is me. Get over it. This is me. You adapt. You learn to get along with me. Have you sort of evolved into the grumpy old man? That's what Chris says to me. I bet at least once a week. Quit being a grumpy old man. <laughs> and of course, you know what reaction to that is to be more grumpy. Yeah. You, you want grumpy? I'll show you grumpy. <laughs> but we've got to be developing, guys. It's not. It's not. You know. Uh, you know. Something you did. It's something you are, and what you're becoming. In the times of trouble in your life, you've got to say. Point number one. What's really important? Point number two. What am I trying to do? Don't don't overthink Christianity. Sometimes people, I'm just not confused about what I need to do. Well, it's not all that confusing, guys. Just try to be a better you in the afternoon than you were in the morning. You say, well, I'm having a bad day. Amen. Then let's cut it off at noontime. Bad morning. Let's have a good afternoon. You understand what I'm saying? Well, it's not easy for me to change. Well, really? Wow, you're really peculiar. I have never met anybody like you. That it's hard for you to change. It's hard for you to change because you haven't decided to change. You know, there's many times in my life I didn't feel like I could do something. I didn't want to do something. And all of a sudden, I was very motivated to do it. Let me tell you a story. I was about 
age of some of these kids down here. <clears throat> and I announced one morning, Sunday morning, that I wasn't going to church at the breakfast table because I didn't like church anymore. I'm really annoyed with the ministry. It really wasn't any conversation about it. My mother talked about it a little bit. My dad just sort of you know, said, well, now you're going. And then he left the table. And I was there for about five or ten minutes, you know, and I was just sitting there and everything. He came back in the room and had his belt in his hand. He said, I'm pretty sure you're going to church. You can go to church the way you are. You can go to church with your butt whooped. But you're going to church. You know, it was amazing how motivated I got. <laughs> and then, you know, some of you kids down here, you're like, Whoa, man, that's old school! <laughs> yeah, that's old school. And I'm, not, I'm not sure it was always good school. But uh, I can tell you this, I, I, I got my tail out of a, a dining room, got in my uh, bedroom, got dressed for church. I went from being unmotivated to real motivated real quick in life. You know, you can go from being unmotivated to real motivated in life sometimes. If you just see what you need to do uh, in your life. Don't overthink it. Third thing here from Romans 8, and, and th- this is, I think, it's a really good one. Look over Romans 8. You guys with me here? I mean, what do you do when you're in these sort of funky kind of spots in life? Romans 8 uh, gives us this is that we need to restore our soul. Uh, you remember, uh, I'll re- reference this. Remember in uh, Psalm 23, Jesus says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He leads me aside. You know, he restores my soul. What's the thing for a minute about the idea of restoring something? Uh, what are things in life that we restore? A car. A car. Uh, Larry, how do you restore a car? You've never done it, but theoretically... <laughs> Uh, you 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 knock the, the rust off of it. Uh, you knock the dirt off of it. Uh, you give it a fresh coat of paint. Okay, what else do we restore? Yeah, Mike. Oh, we're back on the car. Okay, yeah, you, 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 you strip it down, uh, and, and and then you prime, reprime it and repaint it. Yeah. Huh? Antiques. Antiques are what by by definition? Well, they're old. You know, a new, a new thing can't be an antique. Uh, but an, an old thing, it, it furniture or items or something like that. Uh, yeah, Grace. Painting. We restore paintings. I have no clue how to do that, but I know that they do it. Yeah. Uh, you can restore, like, a leg or something in surgery, your body. Well, that's true. Uh, I hadn't thought of that application. Uh, I was thinking more of the furniture and cars and that kind of thing, uh, but that, that but that is true and it's a it's a right usage. But you know what what I'm thinking of here is that when something needs to be restored, it isn't that it's it's totally destroyed and broken. It's just become a little uh, less appealing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good. It you know it's dirty, it's dusty, it's uh, the the paint needs to be refreshed, it, and, and, and that kind of thing. And so you you sort of bring it back together, and it's amazing sometimes something that looks sort of uh, not all that impressive. You know, if you buy something in an antique store, I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've gone antiquing and you go through an, an, uh, an antique shop, you're like, wow, this stuff looks really cruddy. But you know what? If you see someone who knows how to restore it, you see sort of the before and after picture. You're like, wow, I can't believe how good that looks. Yeah. 
They really brought that thing back. And David says, the Lord, my shepherd, restores my soul. That would tend to indicate to me that David understood that there's been times in my life where I needed to be restored. I need to be sort of brought back a little bit. I've become a little dull. I've become a little dirty. I've become a little dusty. I need someone to shine it up again. I said, I'm going to clean me up a little bit here. This idea of restoring the soul is, I think, found in Romans 8. You guys with me? Verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. That doesn't mean that everything that happens in people's lives is good. It means that even the things that aren't good can be brought to good eventually in people's lives. That, that's what he's saying as he comes along then. Let's skip down to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justified. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, this also interceding for us, if, if you're looking at verse, that's verse 34. Look back to verse 27. In verse 27, he says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, and he, he searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So when you're praying, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, communicating to God what you are incapable of really even verbalizing. He's reading your heart. He's interceding for you to God. And then he says, what we're reading there in verse 34, and that Christ who is at the right hand of God is also interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit is interceding between you and God, helping the, the, what your heart is to be communicated clearly to God. Jesus, who is the possible person of condemnation, is at the right hand of God. He's also interceding for us. The imagery here that Paul is saying is that God the Father, the ultimate judge, and you are standing before the ultimate judge, the Holy Spirit is interceding so that clear communication is going on, and Jesus is interceding for you as your lead counsel, speaking to God the Father for you. This is good stuff, guys. This stuff is really good. He says, uh, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? No, none of them. Or persecution or famine or nakedness. I don't understand why nakedness is in there. That, I've, that has always been, uh, uh, I, I, I need an exegesis on that, but, uh, but I guess they're going through a hard time and they lost their clothes. But, uh, or danger, so it's what is written. For your sake we face death all day long or consider the sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, either yours or people's around us, 
Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. This restores our soul. As difficult and as disappointing as our life may get at times, it's hard to understand why is this happening to me? I became a Christian. I've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years. If you add up all the money I've given to, to the church and to invest, I, I've given thousands and tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to you, God. I've given you the money. I've given you my time. Why? Why am I still struggling? Why hasn't everything worked out in my life? Romans 8 says, listen, you're going to have some bad things happen in your life. If there's only one thing you get out of this sermon today, I've got to convince you. The Bible nowhere, no how even comes close to saying that if you're a child of God, you're going to have good things only happen in your life. All of us are going to have hard things. And things sometimes that are difficult, impossible for us to explain. But none of it can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That restores your soul. It sort of brings you back. All those other things are background noise now. And they don't seem all that important. Because the most important thing... The thing that really is the foundation of your life, the thing that you really want to do in your life, is be in a right relationship with God. I hope our study here of Romans has helped you. I've been going through Romans myself and my sort of read through the Bible a year thing, and I picked out these passages that I thought they might be good passages for us to go back and, and look at and to meditate on and me to speak to you about them. Uh, number one, what is really important? Guys, everything's not important in life. Some things are important. Some things aren't all that important. Don't, don't let the unimportant things become the things that you talk about, think about, and worry about all the time. You've you got to figure out what's important in your life and what's not important. Secondly, pick, pick a, a couple things out in your life of what you're really trying to do. And I tried to give you one that I think is a real doable one for all of us. The concept of I'm trying to put off the old and I'm trying to put on the new. And this is a process that goes on in life all through your life. It's not what you did. It's what you're, con you're, you're continuing to try to do. And then this last thing. When I realize I'm in a bad place, something needs to restore me. Something needs to bring me back. What a great thought of what brings you back, what restores you again. It's the thought that anything and everything can happen in my life that maybe is difficult and hard and, and hard even to explain sometimes. But what never changes is that God loves me and that God's given His Son for me. And none of these things, including nakedness, will be, will be able to separate you from Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Romans, it's good stuff, guys. I hope that there, I've shared with you some things today that will be helpful for you. Now, let me make sure you got everything because there were, were several things going on there. Next week is the English.